0: What are the biggest weaknesses on offense and defense? Why won't the New York Giants be a one-hit wonder? And what are the expectations for quarterback Daniel Jones? All that coming up on the new Locked On Giants podcast coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Giants Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Train. I'm your host. Welcome back, everybody, from the Long Memorial Day weekend. I hope it was a good one. I hope it was a safe one and a fun one for everybody. Yeah, I hope you all got the chance to uh, do some relaxing. And now we're back to the grind, but uh, the grind never stops here on the Lockdown Giants Podcast. So shout out to my... Everydayers, shout out to my new people and everybody in between. Thank you for making us your first listener of the day or watching on YouTube your first watch of the today of the day. Excuse me. And on today's show, I've got three topics I want to cover. They include the biggest weaknesses on the Giants, both offense and defense. And I think you're going to be surprised by one of the weaknesses I cite. Um, why the Giants are not going to be one-hit wonders this year. And then finally, and this is in response to a question I get a lot, uh, or I seem to get a lot from you guys when I do um, Q&As, and that is, what are the expectations for quarterback Daniel Jones now that he has signed that big $160 million contract over four years? So those are our topics for today. Again, thank you for tuning in, and let's get started. We're going to kick things off with the biggest weaknesses on offense and defense. Folks, I am going to start with the defensive side of the ball because I think my answer for the defensive side of the ball, I think a lot of you will probably um, agree here. I am still a little leery about the inside linebacker group. Now, you know, I went back and forth with this because I can make a case for being concerned about the back end of the defense. I can make a case for being concerned about the edge rushers. I can make a a case for being concerned about the inside linebackers. I do believe that the giants have depth at inside linebacker, you know, Bobby O'Carroll is going to be an upgrade. I get that. Um, Jared, Gerard Davis should be better this year. You know, assuming that he's, been putting in the time, which I'm sure he has been to learn the playbook, to learn the intricacies of the defense, but I'm still a little shaky, a little leery, if you will, about the depth behind those two guys, all right? Darian Beavers, who, as we all know, he was coming on strong in the summer last year, and then the ACL injury hit. And all of a sudden the Giants went on this odyssey where they kept bringing in different guys at inside linebacker who just couldn't cut it. And a lot of those guys are now back with the team. So I'm talking the Carter Coughlin's, Micah McFadden, um, Cam Brown, you know, uh, they've got guys, but do they have guys, if you know what I mean? So I'm still a little concerned about that position. I think if, you know, if I were ranking the level of concern I have, on the defensive side of the ball, that would be number one. Uh, number two would be edge rusher. Number three would be the back end, the specifically the cornerback depth and how that shakes, shapes out. But, um, but, yeah, inside linebacker. Now, this is going to be interesting to see because one of the things that Wink Martindale did last year to kind of hide, if you will, or minimize the, the problems they were having at inside linebacker was they were playing more safeties up front in sort of a pseudo type of linebacker role. This year, do they do the same thing or do they just go with with you know the regular linebackers here? You know, I would think looking at the safety position, you've got okay Xavier McKinney, who's probably your deep guy. Then it's probably going to be Dane Belton and or Bobby McCain and or Jason Pena. Any one of those threes will probably be, be your box safeties. Can they hold up if asked to play that pseudo inside linebacker role? That's a question mark. Now, hopefully they won't have to play that role very often because hopefully, you know, like I said, either Davis steps up, you know, now that he'll have a complete off season to learn the playbook or maybe one of these younger guys, um, you know, McFadden or Brown, um, You know, Carter Coughlin's another one. Maybe one of those guys will step up. I don't know. But I do know that the Giants, even though they didn't address it in the draft, that's still a a question mark, I think, because you got to see how it shapes out. So that is my biggest question mark on the defensive side of the ball. Now, what about the offensive side of the ball? This is probably going to surprise you, but I'm going to say, Running back. Yeah, running back. And you're probably saying, well, how can you say running back? If they're going to have Saquon, right? Yes, Saquon Barkley, I do believe, is going to play this year. I still say that the odds are in favor of him playing on the franchise tag because the two sides are just not close on a contract. The main sticking point is the guaranteed money, not the APY but they guaranteed money and both sides seem to be dug in as far as what they are willing to give and what they want. So I am not overly optimistic right now that, that there's a breakthrough unless somebody bends And right now. I don't see that happening. So why then am I saying running back? Why am I concerned about running back? Even though I believe Saquon will play in 2023, he will be on the field. Saquon um, will come in and he will be in shape like always. But I don't know how confident I would be in terms of, A, if he ends up missing part of training camp, which I could see, by the way, happening. They have until that July 17th deadline to get something done. And if it doesn't get done, Saquon will have to play on the tag. And as long as he doesn't sign that tag, he doesn't have to report to training camp. And, you know, at that point, what are you holding out for? You know, if you're going to hold out and not sign the tag, what's your purpose other than to, you know, avoid injury, which I I think would be the only reason why I could see Saquon staying out of training camp until maybe the last week and then signing the tag and then reporting. But, you know, here's, here's what I'm concerned about. If this were to get that ugly, and if the, in the unlikely event that Saquon decides, you know what, screw you, Giants, I'm not coming in at all, which again, I don't think will be the case, can they get by with what they have? Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell, the rookie Eric Gray, just Sean Corbin's going to compete. Can they get by with those guys? They probably can chip away. But none of those guys are Saquon Barkley in terms of talent. And oh, by the way, do you guys really want to see Daniel Jones running as often as he did last year? I don't. So I'm concerned there in that if Barkley decides not to show up and forces the Giants hand to go in a different direction, which, again, I don't think is going to happen, but you never say never. You don't know what he's thinking. Um, I'd be concerned about that position because I don't want to have to see Daniel Jones running as often as he did last year. I just don't want to see that because that's an injury waiting to happen. He got lucky last year. I don't want to see it, you know, this year. So to me, running back is the big question mark for me, the concern. Now, some of you might say, well, what about the interior of the offensive line? That would probably be a distant second for me because I do think with John Michael Schmitz at center, they are set. I'm not sure who the backup center is. I'm guessing it's going to be Ben Bredesen, you know, at guard, there's going to be a competition, but you know, they need Mark Lewinsky to play better at right guard and they need to decide who is going to be that left guard. Is it going to be Bredesen? Is it going to be Joshua Izudu? Is it going to be Shane Lemieux? Is it going to be somebody else? So there are questions there, but I feel a little bit more confident that they'll sort those questions out um, as opposed to what's what's still ahead at running back and how that's going to shape the team. So, all right, coming up next. Why the Giants are not a one hit wonder, at least in my opinion, don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hey, Giant fans, get in on all the sports action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to 2500 back in bonus bets if their first bet doesn't win. That's right. You heard right. It is now $2,500, not $1,000, 2500 in bonus bets To Get in on this action, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. FanDuel offers great promotions, a safe and secure app to set your bets and instant payouts. Make every moment more at FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, Giant fans. Welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Channel. We've got another busy week here. In the land of the Giants, that's right. The Giants OTAs, they're continuing today. They resume today, I should say. No media access here on Tuesday, but media access on Wednesday. So the plan, as was the plan last week, and as I follow through with the plan, is um, I will do a show for you um, just as soon as I can, as soon as I get home uh, uh, from the mini camp. I'm sorry, from the OTA on Wednesday. Um, and I'll push that out. I won't make you wait until midnight on Wednesday to, to get that show. So I will get that to you. Um, also, just a reminder that uh, we have our subtext community program going on. So details are in the show notes. But those of you who are subscribed to it, first off, thank you. I hope you're enjoying the service. But most importantly, get your questions into me because I'm going to have openings here and there on the program and I will answer those questions. And and really, you know, those questions kind of, you know, get bumped to the front of the line because they hit my inbox. So if I see them, I will answer them. So make sure you check that out. We are running a special 14 days free to try it out. And uh, if you like it, you can continue and get two months for the price of one with the promo code P train, again, all the details in the show notes, check it out. And I hope you'll consider signing up because it's a great way, not only to support the Locked On giants podcast and yours truly. It's also a nice way for me to be able to communicate one-on-one with you guys, because again, everything shows up in my inbox and, and my text messages. So I can give you a little bit more of a personalized experience um, this way. So uh, thank you again. Let's get to the next topic on the agenda, which is reasons why I don't think the New York Giants are going to be a one hit wonder. Now, before I get into these, let's, let's go back here uh, a little history in Pat Shermer's first year, the Giants finished strong and there was hope that they would be able to build on it. And then of course they didn't. So Shermer was fired. And then in came Joe judge who Almost got the Giants to the playoffs in his first season, only to have the uh, second year fall apart. And then he got fired. So now we have Brian Dable. Brian Dable gets the team to the playoffs last year, and now he's in year two of the program. So is history going to repeat itself? Or is Brian Dable going to break that streak that seems to be going on? Well, I think he's going to break it. And I'm going to give you some reasons why I think he's going to break it. Number one, core group of players is back. The Giants focused on retaining their core. And that was important. You know, you've heard Joe Shane, the general manager, you've heard Brian Dable say it before, that if it was up to them, they would have kept every player that they had last year. And they pretty much did that. So, you know, any salary cap issues, and whatnot, the Giants were able to keep their core intact. And that's important. To keep the core intact, to keep them in the same system, all benefits for the Giants. So that was a plus for them. Same coaching staff is back, with the exception of a couple guys. But for the most part, the main assistant coaches, the main coordinators are back. You go back to Joe Judge, you know, how many different offensive line coaches were there? I think there were like three. You had, um, you had uh, Rob, I'm sorry, Mark Colombo, then you had uh, Googs, and then you had uh, Rob Sale. So three different offensive line coaches teaching these guys different ways to do things. Yikes. Talk about you know, a lack of consistency. So yes, the Giants lost Tony Sperano Jr., the assistant offensive line coach, but Bobby Johnson's still there. So that's a plus. Also a plus, the coordinators are back. You know, again, go back to the judge era and Jason Garrett didn't last two years. You know, he was replaced by Freddie Kitchens. Um, so if it, there was a lot of, turmoil if you will and turnover amongst the coaching staff that is not the case this year so that is a plus for the Giants you know I'd like to say year two of the system being in the same system is going to be a, a plus for the Giants you know I know we could say that oh they were in the same system you know year two under Shermer and under um, Joe Judge and it's, this is a little different because again, when you have the same assistant coaches back teaching the same stuff, and you have um, the same core players, you know you you stand a better chance of seeing a lot more improvement of seeing them play faster in year two than you do the prior year. So that's a big thing. More speed, you know. I I, I think the Giants. Um, I won't sit here and say they're going to be a Super Bowl contender but they have a lot more speed. And I think they are inching oh so much closer to closing the gap with the Eagles. They may have even closed the gap with the Cowboys, you know, and that's something we'll explore it uh, on a future show uh, down the line. So uh, we'll take a look at that, but um, you know, speed on the offense, speed on the defense, that's important. And just, you know, this particular coaching staff, this particular program, just that much more solid, I think, you know, whereas McAdoo's, you know, system or, or, or foundation, I, I just felt like they, they read into their press clips, you know, they believe their press clippings a little too much and kind of lost sight of, you know, new year and new team and, you know, what you did last year, doesn't matter. I felt the same way with Judge to an extent that, you know, that, that they might've, Believe their press clippings. This year, Dable was making a, a really strong effort to just not let those press clippings come into play. He's keeping this team grounded. And I think that's going to be important because when you start thinking that you're better than what you are, you know, what do they say? That the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And that's what happened with the last two teams. I don't see that based on my interactions with the team the spring i don't see that at all so that to me is op- gives me reason to be optimistic that this team is going to move forward and you know there's also the the idea that the coaches and the gm are always looking for ways to improve the roster now you could say that about any coach gm combination i get that but this group you know they're not afraid to cut their losses and move on. If they bring in a player say last year in the draft and they realize okay, you know, we've got an upgrade, move on. Nobody's going to be, you know, they're not going to keep guys on scholarship. So, just the way this team is built, just the way the operations are and that includes the back end operations, a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Now, obviously, they have to show it on the field. They have a tougher schedule As do, by the way, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Commanders. Because for what it's worth last year, or I should say for 2022, the four NFC East teams ranked at the very top of the league for the easiest strength of schedule. A useless stat, by the way, because obviously teams change, but I'm just putting that out there. So I don't know how many wins the Giants will necessarily be able to get. Would I be happy with nine? the same amount they had last year. I wouldn't hate it. Would I like to see double digits wins? Absolutely. What would be um, a realistic measuring stick to show that this team did improve? Double digits would be nice, but more importantly, I want to see the team not involved in as many close games, specifically one score or less. I'd like to see the team Stay competitive against some of the better teams that they face. You know, I don't have to tell everybody that last year when they faced the Eagles to, in two of the three games, they got their doors blown out. Um, same thing with the Lions. Same things with the Cowboys. You can't have your blo- your, your doors blown off against better teams. So I'd like to see um, – more competitiveness from the giants, so there's going to be little things you look for in terms of improvement, and not necessarily statistical things. But I just feel really good that this year, year two of the the uh, Brian Dable era, going to be a little different, and it's going to be a little bit better. All right, coming up, speaking of different and better, what are the expectations for quarterback Daniel Jones? We'll tell you in just a moment. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. Patricia Trainer here with you. Happy as always to have you with us. It is Tuesday, back to work. Hopefully nobody's having trouble getting started up again. And if you're off this week, God bless you. I'm jealous. But uh, no, seriously, we've got football coming up this week. OTA number five coming up on Wednesday that is media access I'll be there you know what to do if you want to get all the updates you can follow me on Twitter you can follow me on Instagram which is where I'm posting video clips and audio clips you know especially if I ask a question in a presser so my Instagram account is at Patty Traina, P-A-T-T-I-T-R-A-I-N-A and yes it's verified so it is me don't accept any imitations over on Instagram. It is me. And by the way, I do have the blue check mark on Twitter. So that's at Patricia underscore traina. Um, so again, it is me, so you know. Uh, all right, so let's talk now about Daniel Jones. And this is a question a lot of you ask me or several, you know, a lot of you of late have been asking me, what are the expectations for Daniel Jones? And how do I think they're going to play out? And I want to start off by saying that, you know, a a secondary question I get a lot of is, do you think Daniel Jones feels pressure to perform given his contract? And the answer is no, nor should he, because here's the thing, guys, there's another quarterback in town, some guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. If we're looking at things objectively here, who do you think has more pressure on them? Realistically speaking. The Giants or the Jets? I would say the Jets. All right. You know, they have a supposedly a championship defense. Supposedly, they felt that they were a quarterback away from making a Super Bowl run. All right. This which, you know, oh, by the way, get into the playoffs first and then let's talk Super Bowl. Well, now they have Aaron Rodgers, who they believe can take them to the uh, promised land. And the attention is going to be on the jets. Not so much on the giants. I don't think. So if you're Daniel Jones, that kind of works in your favor because not that Daniel would have felt pressure regardless, even if Aaron Rodgers didn't come to New York to the jets, but there's less pressure. I think on the giants in year two, a lot of people think, okay, you know what? Last year was a fluke. They're not going to do it again. Expectations are low. So, This giant team could rise up and surprise a few people. Now, let's talk Daniel specifically. What am I expecting? And some of you have asked for numbers, so I'm going to give them to you. I think it is feasible that this year, Daniel Jones throws for over 4,000 yards for the first time in his career. Like I mentioned before, he's got speed now amongst his skilled position players, and that's important. Um, he's got the same offensive system year two, and I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time he played in the same system two years in a row. So I think he's going to play a lot faster and not be as hamstrung as he was in the prior systems during his uh, NFL career. I think he's going to throw for at least 20 touchdowns this season. That would be for the first time since his rookie campaign when he threw for 24, right? He hasn't been able to hit 20 in quite some time. I think this year that is realistic. I do think for the third year in a row, he will have single digit interceptions thrown. And by the way, when you look at the interceptions, how many of them are actually poor decisions by Jones versus how many of them bounced off the hands of a receiver or the receiver wasn't in the right spot? So when you look at quarterback interceptions, you really got to look at each one individually and see, okay, was that the quarterback's fault or was it the receiver's fault? And then finally, I think Daniel Jones is going to have fewer rushing yards. You know, I mentioned uh, Saquon Barkley will be, I believe he will be on the field for the Giants. But I also think the Giants want to go for more of a committee approach at running back to keep guys fresh. And even though that's a a slight concern for me, more so if Barkley is not part of that committee, um, it makes sense to do that because I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Daniel Jones running unless he absolutely has to, to extend the play. I don't want to see him lowering his shoulder, taking a hit to the head or neck area. I just don't want to see that. Because if Daniel Jones goes down, the Giants are in trouble. So keep him out of harm's way if you can. I get it. His legs are an asset. But you know what? Use his legs to buy time. Sort of like the guy on the other side, you know, the other locker room, Aaron Rodgers does. You know, don't necessarily send him and have him compete with Lamar Jackson for, you know, rushing yardage leader amongst NFL quarterbacks. I don't want to see that. And I don't think the Giants will go that direction, to be honest with you. So bottom line, folks, I do think Daniel Jones is going to take the next step. I think he's going to have a good year, statistically speaking, as well as just overall. And I just right now, I don't know, it's it's late May, but I feel good about this team, all things considered. I think, you know, they're headed, they're definitely in the right direction. I don't sense that we're in for a letdown. I mean, the only thing I could see popping up is if there are if there's a rash of injuries, which let's hope they finally figured that out. So So yeah, I mean, things are looking up in the land of the Giants. So hopefully we'll have a lot of good things to discuss as we move forward over the coming days and weeks and months. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube your first watch of the day. Thank you to my everydayers. If you're an everydayer, let me know so I can give you a shout out. I do look in the comments section and I try and give you shout outs. And again, don't forget to check out the subtext community for the Locked on Giants podcast. If you want to have a little bit more of a personalized you know, interaction with yours truly. It's also a way to support the podcast further if you wish to do so. So, um, again, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.